Good to be with you this morning here. Uh, it is a, wow, the morning came early here for me. Um, one of the things that I do, uh, I serve as a chaplain for uh, the Army Ranger School Support Group. And uh, um, what that what that means is sometimes there are things that happen uh, at uh, uh, at Ranger School that that need uh, attention. People need attention, and uh, sometimes things happen. So I I get called upon to uh, try to help mitigate uh, some things there. And uh, last night there was an unfortunate uh, incident uh, at the Ranger School. It's was in news at least in Georgia, 
And uh, so just want to pray for families of uh, uh, some Ranger students uh, out of Georgia this morning, but uh, from about three o'clock on been involved in uh, trying to mitigate and help, uh, help where I can um, with that. So, uh, and we're here getting ready to look at the scriptures. And if you look behind me over here, Oops, that's not, the, yeah, that's the one. See all that stack of books and stuff? It looks like a professor's office or something here, and you can't even see half of it really. But um, getting ready for uh, two courses I'm teaching this fall, uh, one in church planting, church replanting, uh, and church revitalization. And uh, they're not the same to plant, it's to start fresh, uh, to replant is to basically shut down and restart, and to revitalize is to take what's there and, and help it find new life. So that is one course I'll be teaching this fall, and uh, that is at New England Bible College and Seminary. Uh, and the other course is a survey of the New Testament. You may end up being uh, participants in that un unwittingly or uh, maybe you won't even like it, but uh, that is a course that I'm teaching uh, as well. I think I'm teaching that course in Portland, and uh, you will probably become the beneficiaries of that particular study uh, as we work our way uh, through that study. And it's something I think would be a great benefit to you to gain a survey of the New Testament and uh, just all that it means. This morning, I want to talk to you about. Um, uh, I want to talk to you about the people whom God uses. You know, a lot of times we'll think, well, if God would just get a hold of such and such a movie star, or if God would just get a hold of such and such an athlete, or if God would just get a hold of uh, such and such a political figure, or if God would just get a hold of such and such a businessman, what great things could happen? And that very well may be true, but when we look at the scriptures and we look at the people whom God was calling, who Jesus called to be his first disciples, his first followers, like we looked at in uh, uh, John chapter 1, we realize that, that he called... Um, everyday ordinary folk. In fact, he probably even called people who uh, would be the least likely candidates. As an example, Jesus called a tax collector. Now, in in that day, the tax collectors were um, shysters. Uh, that, that's probably an, an adequate way to put it. Uh, they, were, um, they were people that... Um, embezzled. They were people that padded their pockets with extra uh, extra funds, uh, charged, you know, uh, handling fees and things of that nature. And uh, so they were able to uh, get more money out of people and they weren't necessarily highly popular. And yet that's one of the people whom Jesus chose to be a follower. In, Matthew, in John chapter one, he chose uh, some fishermen, a salty fisherman. They were salty for a few reasons. They were probably salty because 
they uh, were in the ocean, but they were salty probably because of the language and just the their demeanor, the way they carried themselves, and yet Jesus came up to them and chose them. Sometimes he chose young people. Um, some perhaps were even in their teens. Uh, God doesn't always choose the things that we would choose. In fact, let me take you into 1 Corinthians, uh, the first chapter, and uh, we want to take a look at what God chooses. First Corinthians chapter one, uh, at verse eighteen, we pick up here. It says, "For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing." I mean, you and I have people who would tell us that they think that we are just crazy people because we follow after Christ. Um. But the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. Um, those people, the world, those who are perishing, they think we're weak because we need a crutch. Uh, they think all kinds of things about us. And so it says in verse 18, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. Spoke with somebody yesterday who has a relative who is likely dying of uh, some diseases um, and, and going down that road, some probably irreversible things now in their life and uh, in their 60s. Uh, and our prayer is that the message of the cross to this person would not be foolishness, but that they would they would turn to the cross, that they would turn to Christ, that they would look to Christ for uh, for his forgiveness, that they would look to him for life, uh, because it, it is in Christ that we gain eternal life. In Christ alone, we gain eternal life. Uh, and, and we pray. I had a conversation with somebody a week ago about, you know, if, if all there is to this world is we just die and that's it, and there's no eternity, and there's no heaven, there's no hell, there's no God, then, you know, how, how miserable life is for for billions of people around the world, especially a few billion people who are Christian, or you could even include believing Jewish people, and I say believing at least those who believe in God. It may not yet be messianic. It may not yet be saved. Um but those who believe in, in in the eternal, who believe in the transcendent, who believe in God, uh, we think there's more. How miserable to think that we just we just die, this this lump of flesh just ceases and we're done. How sad for those. Paul says, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. The the gospel is a powerful entity, a powerful force. And God says, for it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence intelligence of the intelligent, I will frustrate. Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. 
Jews demand miraculous signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. I would even take that verse, verse 25, for for any foolishness there may be in God is wiser than all of man's wisdom combined. Uh, and if there's any weakness in God, his, his weakness is still stronger than all man's strength combined. Brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many of noble birth. But God chose, look at what this says. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world, the despised things, the, the things that are not, to nullify the things that are. So that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. That our boasting would be in the Lord. But but when you look at the foolish things and the wise things, the strong things and the weak things, and then when you consider the people whom God would call to himself, uh, it, it is a pretty amazing thing to to think about God calling uh, people who are lesser. God choosing someone, you, you might think, well, I don't have much to offer. Can I tell you, can I just suggest to you that if you come to God, if you come to Christ, anything that you bring to him in your weakness, in your foolishness, God can use you. The people God uses are, are, are not necessarily the great and the mighty. The God that people uses are everyday, ordinary, garden variety folk just like you and me. That's whom God uses. All you need to do is make yourself available to God. I mean, you think of the story of the, the loaves and the fishes. It was only a few small loaves and a few small fishes that fed a large multitude of people. If you bring to God, if you feel like you are just a little bit, if you bring to God the little bit that you are and just entrust yourself to God and say, God, use me, God, in fact, will use you uh, and, in fact, not only use you, but he will use you mightily uh, because it's his work in you. You know, it, it isn't It isn't having all this education like I have hanging on the wall back here behind me. Uh, you know, this all that stuff, it doesn't count for anything. I mean, it, it does, but it doesn't. It, it's the work of God within that, that makes all the difference. And, and so, you know, wherever you are, whoever you are, just to bring yourself to God and say, God, use me. God, God uses the available person. That's the person God uses. Yes, I've talked about the foolish and the wise. I've talked about the strong and the weak as we've looked at 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We've considered the, the calling of Matthew, the tax collector, who was uh, not a favorable person in most people's view and most people's opinions. Uh, but God used him. God used young people. 
God uses the available. So the question of the day for you and for me is, will we make ourselves available that God can work in and through our lives? That, that's the question. Um, that's the question, just to make yourself available. Now, I, over the years, I've used an acrostic to kind of help us think about the people that God will really use uh, more fully. Uh, and I don't have this in a PowerPoint or anything like that, but just follow with me in this. God uses faithful people just to be faithful, faithful to open up his word, faithful in prayer, faithful in worship, faithful in, in, in uh, loving people. God uses faithful people. Secondly, God uses available people. I mean, if you never have time, and this is this is part of the problem that I see today is that we've made ourselves so busy, sometimes busy with, with our families, sometimes busy with our work, sometimes busy with our projects, that God doesn't have hardly an, an inch of uh, or a moment of our time because we're so busy. We, we filled up our lives. If if. You know, one of the things that has been a uh, a little bit of an issue in the life of the church kind of post-COVID, at least our church, is having enough uh, teachers to teach, you know. And so we got word from somebody, well, we're going to come back to church when you have enough people to to work with the children, uh, you know. And, and we agree. We would like to have people, but here's the thing. People have made themselves so busy that, that they're, or, or church is such a convenient uh, convenience that well, I go and I want to go and I'll do other things and I want to go do other things that there's just not the commitment. And uh, um, so why am I talking about that? Availability. People, if you want God to use you, you have to make yourself available. Now that can be available inside the walls of a church like ours, being a teacher's aide. You might say, well, I can't teach, but you could go downstairs and say, I'll be here to help. You can help pass out papers, help pass out crayons, uh, help make sure kids make it across the bathroom and back. Sometimes if somebody gets out of line, you you can help in that way. There's all kinds of ways that you can help there. But to be available, I mean, I know people that, that just are disappointed God isn't using them, but they're never available for God to be able to use them. So faithful people, available people, that is a, a second people, a second uh, characteristic needed of people that God will use. A third characteristic, you need to be a teachable person. You need to be a person willing to learn. I mean, I, I still have lots to learn. I mean, I, I've got, you know, a uh, pretty significant amount of education and feel like there's so much I don't know. Uh, and so you need to be teachable, willing to learn how to be a better teacher, learning how to be a better small group leader, learning how to be a, a, a better evangelist, learning how to be a better better disciple maker, learning how to be a better worship person, learning how just all these things that we can learn. There's more and more and more that we can learn. So you need to be a teachable person. God uses teachable people. It's the people who like, well, I got it all wrapped up, got it all figured out, know all the answers. Well, you put yourself in a hard place because you don't have all the answers and, and God needs to be able to continue to teach and to instruct you. So we have faithful people. We have available people. We have teachable people. That's three letters of the acrostic. Did you follow what they are? We need fat people. 
faithful, available, teachable. Well, we need even more than that. We need thankful people. God will work through thankful people. We're not thankful we haven't opened our lives to worship. We're not thankful we haven't opened our lives to gratitude toward God. Sometimes we become um, calloused and critical people, uh, and I could maybe be on the little bits of the, the borders of that myself of late. Um, but we need to be thankful people, lifting gratitude to God. So, so we have faithful, we have available, we have teachable, we have thankful. Uh, e, we need to have people who are an example. Uh, God can use people who are seeking to be an example to other people. I mean, you could say you have an exemplary life. Um, but God's going to use people who, who are an example, who are trying to model the life of Christ, who are trying to be imitators of Christ, like we read about back in Ephesians chapter 5 within the first couple of verses, be imitators of God um, is what it said. In fact, let me put that verse up for us. I, I know we just finished the book of Ephesians, but I want to go back to this verse tells us this. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children and live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So we set the example as imitators of God, an example of love, an example of forgiveness, an example of grace, uh, an example of sacrifice. We we set an example. God can use people who are willing to be an example to other people. So faithful, available, teachable, thankful, exemplary, not perfect, but an example of one who is trying to strive to live for God and then are responsible. I mean, you need to be responsible. I mean, there are people, Jesus tells the parable about people who, um, say that they will do something and never show up. And he says, what's better? To say you'll do it and not do it or to not commit but then follow through and do it anyway, what is better? I think it is better to not make the commitment and then show up and do it than to make the commitment and not show up and do it. I mean, we need to be responsible people. So if you commit to something, you're going to follow through and you are going to do it. So if you follow all that, what did we spell? God is looking for fatter people. Now, that doesn't mean go buy a donut. That's not what that means. It doesn't mean go buy a uh, a sugary uh, Dunkin' Donuts, lots of milk, lots of sugar, lots of flavoring type of thing. It doesn't mean fatter that way, but fatter in terms of faithful, uh, available, teachable, thankful, exemplary, and responsible. I mean, those are the types of people that we need to be. Now, one of my mentors, Dan Spader, uh, was was a guy that came up with, uh, it was first spelled F-A-T-R. And I said, well, that's, uh, you know, uh, I said, you can change the letters around and you can spell it F-A-R-T. You know, God uses fart people. No, uh, faithful, available, responsible, and thankful. No. So I rounded it out a little bit more to come up with the acrostic fatter, faithful, available, 
teachable, thankful, exemplary, and responsible. The people that God uses. You, you think of some of the women that were in the uh, some of the women that were in the Bible. Uh, Mary Magdalene, uh, Mary the mother of Jesus, Mary and Martha, uh, and, and then there were other women that were a part of following after Jesus, and um, God used them. God used them to tell the story of the gospel. God used them to uh, minister to other people. God used them in in all kinds of ways. Um. to promote the kingdom, to minister to the church, uh, all kinds of ways God God used those women. Uh, God God would go on and use a, a man who is a demoniac. If you think of uh, the book of Mark, chapter 5, there's the story in Mark, chapter 5, of this demoniac who lived, uh, lived among the tombs. He was in the region of the Gerasenes, says this, when Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs. No one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he'd often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Swear to God that you won't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. So, I mean, this is the demon now replying to Jesus. And it says, he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding by, uh, on a nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. And he gave them permission, and the evil spirits came out of the man and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man, and they told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region, and as he was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. But Jesus did not let him, but said, go, to your fam go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he's had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. Now, Decapolis, what is the Decapolis? Decapolis, I mean, really means uh, 10 cities region. It was uh, a region of 10 cities. It would be like around here. Um, the man uh, the man going into uh, Morrill, going into Waldo, going into Montville, there's three. Uh, going into Searsmont, there's four. Belmont, there's five. 
Um, Belfast, there's six. Brooks, there is seven. Knox, there is eight. Uh, Liberty, there is nine. Uh, where else can we go from there? Hope, there, there's ten. It's like it's like ten cities. He went into those ten cities, and notice what he did. He went in. He he was this crazy person. Uh, Northport, Lincolnville, a couple other cities. Yes, uh, little towns. But he went into this region and began telling all that the Lord had done for him. And it says, and all the people were amazed. Here's a guy that was out of his right mind. Here was a guy that was out of control. Here was a a man that was involved in, in self-destructive things like cutting himself. And um, here was a man that, that lived, we would say, morally bankrupt because he ran around naked. But when you see what they saw in verse 15, it says, when they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legions of demons sitting there. So now he's under control before he was out of control, dressed before he was naked, and in his right mind, before he was out of his mind, now he's in his right mind. It says they were afraid. He went and told the people that God uses are the people that allow God to work in their life. You don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to have it all wrapped up. You don't have to uh, any of those things. Uh, all, all you need to do is say, God, here I am. Work in me. Work through me. Use me. Do what you want to do in and through my life, and and God will do those very things uh, in and through your life. Who did God pick? Who did Jesus pick? He didn't pick the, the ones that were like the top leaders. He didn't pick the famous. He picked the ordinary. Uh, he picked the salty. Uh, he picked the, the, uh, the common garden variety. He picked sometimes those who were disliked. He sometimes picked those who were the feared, like this demon-possessed man, and he worked through them. What's the secret? Make yourself available to Jesus. What's the secret? Draw close to him. That's the secret. That's what you do. So I want to encourage you today. Uh, you might feel like, well, you know, I'm just a nobody. You know, I'm not Pastor Jim. Well, no, you're not, and you should be thankful that you're not Pastor Jim. You don't know my troubles. Um, but you are who you are, and you might feel like, well, I have nothing to offer. Yeah, offer God yourself. Say, God, here I am. Show up, be available, and God will work in your life and through your life. And you might say, well, what I do is not that important. Do you want to know what? Coffee on Sunday mornings is really important. Uh, the broadcast stuff on Sunday mornings, there's a lot of, lot of details to the broadcast stuff. I mean, they have all those cameras uh, you got to make sure the volume level is, is right going out in the stream so people can hear it okay. Uh, there's there's getting the words crossed from one computer to another so people can see the words. That's important. People need that. So coffee, people standing at the door greeting people is so important. That smiling face is so important. That warm cup of coffee is so important. Those people that go downstairs and work with the kids is so important. All the worship team, it's so important. And there can be other places outside the walls of the church where you serve as well. You serve your neighbor. You help a friend. You, uh, Some of you are minister to people who are walking through the valley of the shadow of death. 
just be available to say, God, here I am. You would be amazed to see what God will do in your life if you just say, God, I'm available. If you say, I'm, I'm going to be faithful to show up. I'm going to be available. I'm going to be teachable. I'm going to be thankful. Lord, I'm going to be an example of, of a person who humbles himself before the Lord and others. Lord, I'm going to be responsible. If you will become that fatter person, God will work in and through your life. Guaranteed. No doubt about it. Well, friends, I'm going to stop there for today. I need to check back in over in the, the some of the other stuff that I'm managing and then going to try to go get in a... Uh, Get in a walk here this morning. Uh, Fran's saying it takes a village to make a ministry for God. Absolutely. Every single person is critical. Don and all his help. Yeah, he lives in Rhode Island, but all of his help at managing these pages and and what he does. I mean, it it all adds up. It is all significant. The work that Jacob does, the work that Susan does in the office. Um, It's all important. Every person in the body of Christ is important, and God can use you if you'll just show up. Lord, today, we just say we need you. We need your strength. We need your help. Uh, We need your guidance. We need your love. We just present ourselves to you, Lord, and ask that you will work in us. Ask that you work through us to touch other people's lives, to impact other people's lives, to help other people experience the love of God. Use us today for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Lord, hear our prayer. Amen. We will see you tomorrow, friends. Have a great day.